Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room podcast brought to you by the commercial legal practice Aspect Legal. Now today we are talking again to a previous guest on the Deal Room podcast, Martin Lacerdo, who's the co-founder and director at Amplify Business Strategy. Now, if you missed our last discussion with Martin, go back and check out our previous episodes where we specifically talked about his background in selling a niche business. And there's some great ideas and coverage of issues there that we talk about in relation to selling a niche business. But in this episode, we're taking a little bit of a change of direction and specifically we're talking about franchises. We're looking at business sales and acquisitions in the context of franchises, looking both from the franchisor perspective and from the franchisee perspective. So Martin and I talk about reasons as to why people might want to get into franchising in the first place, what's the benefit of franchising a business and becoming a franchisor and what the critical things are that should be considered when entering a franchise or becoming a franchisor. Next, we talk in detail about organisations that might consider being a franchisee. We discuss whether it's better to start up a new business or to buy an existing franchise. We look at whether or not it's better to buy an existing business or to buy a franchise. We also drill into some other issues of what are the positives and the negatives of being a franchisee and who is it suited to and importantly, who is it not suited to We also talk about some of the recent media stories about some of those really heartbreaking franchise stories and we dissect those a little bit and uh, Martin gives his opinion on how to keep yourself a good news story rather than a bad news story. All of that's up next in this episode of The Deal Room Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, Martin. Look, welcome back. Thanks so much for coming back to the Deal Room podcast to talk about your experiences in the area of sales and acquisitions. And today's episode follows on in a previous episode where we talked a bit about your background in two businesses that you built from the ground up and then sold that were in more, I I guess, sort of niche business areas. Today, I wanted to extend our discussion and talk a little bit about the next chapter of your businesses, which had a lot of franchising in it. So today, I'd really like to hone in on the franchise business model and the sorts of questions that both franchisors or potential franchisors and franchisees might be thinking about. So welcome back, Martin. Thanks for being here again today. Thanks for having me. Great. Okay. So let's pick up with where we left off before. So where we left off before you had just sold your second business. So how then did you get connected to the world of franchising? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. It was was, um, a matter of uh, going for a run with a a close friend of mine, who in fact is my 
uh, business partner today. So I had uh, just, uh, the ink was just uh, was drying on the contract of selling the tourism park business. So I think we might have been the next day or following following day we were uh, met up at the at uh, that local beach here in Wollongong and went for a jog. And uh, as we do, we just had a bit of a chin wag about what was going on. And uh, and I said, oh, I think I've just sold my business. And we, we, he had a look of astonishment on his face, really. Uh, and he asked me, what are you going to do now? I said, I, I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about it. Oh, you know what? That's fabulous. It's so, it's interesting how many business owners that I speak to who have sold a business say the same thing. And I guess your experience was a little bit different because you weren't expecting to sell, but it's fascinating. It fascinates me how people are so involved in the business and the sale process. And then it all finishes and they're like, well, what do I do next? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's just that it sort of hits you all of a sudden. And I often uh, talk about, uh, uh, but it, I suppose a, a little bit of anxiety that creeps in when you're selling a business and buying a business and, and, and uh, selling a business that people may not realise has its uh, is it, quite often a bit more nerve wracking than buying a business. When, people, when you're buying, you see the future in front of you. You're actually seeing yourself. You're visualising yourself in a position. You're in that cafe or in that manufacturing business or you're on, in that desk uh, leading people. When you're exiting a business. There's all this unknown, and I suppose I was facing that, but not concerned at all. So it wasn't a, a, a concern about the unknown. It was actually exciting, but still thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so uh, this friend of mine, he said, oh, I think I might have something for you. He was working for a, a prominent uh, franchisor at the time and as a national marketing manager and thought I was really, really well positioned to interview new franchisee applicants coming through wanting to take on a franchise. And I thought, well, okay, well, I, I do have a fair bit of small business experience and understand what it's like to enter a business and, and exit a business. So I thought, yep, let's have a look at that. And uh, and I did, and as I say, the rest is history. So I joined uh, a business, uh, joined Pack and Send, uh, and, and set up in um, originally in Parramatta, but now it's an international business. Franchising business is one uh, numerous awards, national franchise over the year, etc. So it, it was a really enjoyable chapter in my life as well. So that's how I got into franchising. So my initial foray was interviewing people as a selection manager, people wanting to join into the franchising business. So that's fascinating. So selecting the people to buy in, you know, is that a quasi-sales role or, or there was actually a, a strong filter process? It's interesting you say that because uh, there's many franchise businesses that sell franchises and the better businesses grant franchises. Mm. There's a real distinct difference. So uh, uh, the process that was... Uh, implemented uh, was very much an interview process. So you, you obviously talk about the actual business itself. There's a, a presentation on the actual business. Business buyers want to know what they're getting themselves into. So what was really important is actually presenting the facts of the business, presenting the systems, and having really good quality systems was uh, made that that role quite easy because it, it, the quality of the systems were there for people to see. And they wanted to be part of that business. So during that, that stage, that chapter, we grew the network. I think when I first 
joined, it was about 60-odd, and then we went over 100 franchise units, and we went international to the UK and New Zealand during that time as well while I was, at, while, um, while I was there. So I found that really enjoyable because if, you, if I sort of look back at my career, what is the common thread is small business and my enjoyment in being involved in small business and the role that small business plays in the local community. I do get inspired by uh, you know, a business that might be set up somewhere. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be in the CBD of a major capital city. It could be anywhere in the world. And that business starts being, well, really relevant to the local community first, and then they start to you know, export their services or products uh, around the country and worldwide. So I really enjoy what small businesses can do. They really, they, they, they yeah, obviously start small, but they don't have the ambition to always be small. And what I enjoyed is in, the, in, the, in franchising was that ability to give access to small business ownership for those that either didn't have the confidence to do it on their own, have the support of a franchise brand, the systems, the training that were already in place. So I really enjoyed that giving people that may not have thought independent business was the right way to go. They didn't have the confidence, the systems out there. It's not a proven business being in an interview or starting a business on your own. There's a fair bit of risk there. So presenting the franchising, the franchise business was a good way of getting people into business and fulfilling their career goals by business ownership. So I guess, you know, what you're really talking about here are reasons that people might consider being a franchisee. And maybe, and before we drill further into that, maybe let's let's go back a little bit and talk about why people might want to be a franchisor. Let's ma- maybe start there first and then w- and then let's sort of delve a bit more into this concept of being a franchisee. So if we go back one step and we talk about potentially becoming a franchisor, I-, I guess maybe the opportunity for businesses here is if they have a business that's running well but they're a bit sick of the day-to-day of it, maybe franchising is a way that they can do something a little bit different with the business, so I guess that's one factor. What 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 else? What are the other reasons why people might get into franchising, and what's the main reason? Yeah, sure. I'm not sure if there's one main reason, but a, 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 maybe a pool of different reasons and different franchisors or, or company owners will maybe uh, uh, you know hang their hat on, on on different reasons. But the, the main reason with with the franchisors that I've spoken to over the years and and, and to, you know, become closer to. The main reason is really providing their service to a wider audience. That's really important in their ambition to say, look, I've got a really good service or a really good product. This is doing really well in my local area. But I tell you, it would be great down, you know, in the next suburb or, or in another state, etc. So that ambition to distribute your service or product to other areas, knowing that it's well received by the marketplace, by the community, you're actually bringing in a new product or service to various communities. I think is a really important driver for the franchisors that I've spoken with and uh, dealt with over the years. So that's really important. Franchising becomes successful because the local franchisee, the local person is connected to their community and they've got, as they often hear in franchising, the, the term called skin in the game. So it's not... Uh, employing somebody who may leave in you know six months, two years, etc. It's having someone that's actually aligned to your vision, 
as a franchisor who then thinks, yeah, that's a great product, that's a great service. I'd love to promote that in my local area. There'd be customers that would love having this in our community. So, so having people sharing that vision and setting it up in their local area, that's critical as well. And being a franchisor is also having a commitment to making your franchisee successful. So choosing that as a distribution model or as a model to get your products and services to more and more people being delivered by committed franchisees, uh, and I, I do understand we're talking about a utopian scenario, but in the same uh, same breath, it, it's what drives the franchisor, okay, having their product and service in, in, in other markets. Franchising is also very successful because the, sometimes a franchisor does have that desire to spread their wings but doesn't have access to funding. And that's where the franchisee can help. So that's, that, that's where that skin in the game concept comes in, where the franchisee becomes basically a, uh, a commercial partner. They've, they've invested uh, in the brand in their local area and they've enabled that brand to expand by the funds that are provided by the franchisee as opposed to the franchisor. So if someone's a franchisor, they're, they're doing very well. They might have one, one unit or one store or, 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 or centre. They develop to a second or third, but then may not have the funding to get to 10 stores, 20 stores in a, to- in a timely manner. And that's where the franchisee comes in. So having commitment to uh, your franchisees is important as well. So access to funding, commitment to franchisees, having a desire to see your product and service into, into various markets is, is important as well. The characteristics that I've seen of good quality franchisors are consistently striving to improve the quality of their systems. Yeah. The systems are in the business, whether it's their training, their marketing, their support, various you know, new product innovation, etc. being committed to those systems in your business ensures that you've got, as a franchisor, consistency in delivery of product and service to the various customers in, in different locations, but more so that franchisees have access to those consistent support services and can deliver on that consistency as well. As you know, like you might uh, do a particular road trip and you, you know you might stop for a little break and get food at a certain place. You, you, you end up trusting that brand, whether you like it or not, they deliver a consistent service or product. Really important. That's what, so franchisees are striving to uh, continually improve the quality of their systems is... is uh, is definitely a characteristic of an ambitious and quality franchisor as well. Great. Okay. All right. So, so we've talked a bit about why people might get into franchising, um, and we've talked about gives a way to expand the business. Uh, it gives a way to expand the business, even if the access to capital isn't there for expansion, because you, you know through the franchisees you bring in um, the extra capital for expansion from them. You know, setting up in each of the different locations, people get into I presume people get into franchising as well because of a change in what they want to do if they move from wanting to run one particular store to you know spending more time working on the business rather than in the business I'm I'm sure that must be a factor in some instances is that right Martin as a franchisor yeah as a franchisor yeah absolutely absolutely as a franchisor definitely you, you, you're continually working uh, on the business, as opposed to as opposed to in the business, your your, your role as a franchisor is very different. 
to what it was when you first started the business as, as the first operator of one store, to what your role would be with when you've got 10 stores and 20 stores in your network, absolutely. Yeah. And so then let's maybe talk about a few threshold questions. You know, is there a minimum size or turnover that you'd suggest for organisations before they start thinking about franchising? There's not a one-size-fits-all. However, uh, what is really important that franchising is appealing when it's a proven business model, proven business system. That's when it's appealing to a potential franchisee. So what's really important is to have your business, so let's say you have one particular bit, let's say your business, as an example, is a dessert bar. Uh, what's really important is that you operate this dessert bar in a way that is profitable and that's so replicate, uh, able to be replicated. So if we go for the example of the dessert bar, we need to understand the cost of setting up the store. We need to understand the profitability model because that needs to be communicated to the potential franchisee that's going to join you, that's going to invest in the business. So that's, um, that's definitely critical. Okay, great. Our threshold is it needs to be profitable. It needs to be replicated. We need to have systems, good quality systems in place. And obviously, you've said before, there must be an ambition to expand. You must, you know, I I guess that's, you know, an underlying threshold requirement as well. Now, are there any industries that are best or worst suited to franchises. So if someone is sitting here and they're a business owner, they say, well, I've got a pretty good business. I was thinking about selling, but now, you know, maybe franchising is a different way for me to inject a bit more enthusiasm into what I'm doing here. Is this for me? Is my industry a good or a bad industry? Uh, What sort of pointers would you give? I'm not really sure whether that uh, that sort of selling my business then transfers into setting it up as a franchise business. Uh, I think when you're looking at setting up a franchise business, there's a, probably an additional commitment than just exiting the business. In fact, it's a lot harder. Wanting to be a franchisor, you're definitely increasing your level of responsibility. You're accountable to more people. However, you are working on your business and growing something that's a whole lot bigger than just a single unit business that you may have had. So there is no critical number of outlets that you need to have in a franchise, whether it's 10, 5, 20. Uh, what's most important is you as a franchise all remain profitable and franchisees have a profitable model uh, for them to achieve their profit and their lifestyle and, and, and their own financial ambitions as well. There is there is no industry that's best suited than others. In fact, you'd be very surprised to find a number of brands that are franchised that you probably didn't think were franchised. Obviously, the main franchise brands that people know are the consumer brands, the fast food brands, uh, like you would find in a in a shopping centre food court, as an example. But there's so many others, like even real estate offices, are franchised. Brands as um, financial lending institutions or banks that uh, work with a franchise model as well. So there's no industry that's best suited at all. There actually, there's so many industries that are actually represented by franchising. Mm, I can't help my um, inner curiosity. Um, pipes up here, what's the weirdest type of or the most interesting or the most least obvious type of franchise model you've seen or business? Oh, dear. 
That's really <laughs> wrecking my brain. Um, I, I, I've seen a franchise, and I haven't been involved with it, but I, I've heard of others uh, that spoke of a franchise that were uh, uh, a band recording franchise, so that would help promote young fledgling bands, music bands. Right. So that I thought I, I don't think that I'm not sure how that far that's gone. I haven't much. Yeah, that's in, that. That's fascinating because I can't even see how that would turn into a franchise. That's fascinating to me. There you go. <laughs> Neither would I. Um, there's <laughs> more interesting ones where uh, uh, we're like a, a preschool programs, like sports programs for preschools, for um, schools, music, tuition yep. type franchises. Um, I suppose that those are mm. franchises that you probably wouldn't have thought as franchises. Tuition, accounting franchises. It's, it's really nearly every industry, I think, is represented in franchising. I'm not really sure which industries aren't. Yeah. And so, you know, what, what are the general costs that are involved in being a franchisor, turning your business um, that's obviously a profitable business into one that now can be purchased by franchisees? Very good question. So there's laws governing how franchising works. A lot of them. A lot of them, yeah. So without getting into the specifics and quoting the different laws, so there's there's a a whole lot of legal compliance around franchising. Uh, So getting uh, a lawyer uh, with experience in this this space is really important as well to get some guidance as to what type of documentation that you need, documentation like a franchise agreement, a disclosure document, uh, and, and various other documents that you, you may need. So talking to a franchise uh, consultant, someone has done this before, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, if you've seen further than others, it's because you've stood on the shoulders of giants. So go to people that are experienced in this where they can provide you advice, prepare documentation for you, things like that, a commercial policy, marketing material that actually presents the franchising opportunity, uh, a training program, so a franchise all needs to have all that to be able to uh, attract new franchisees. Um, so there's a, a whole lot of costs associated with preparation of the documentation required to, number one, comply with various laws, but number two, to present the opportunity thoughtfully, honestly, diligently to prospective franchisee candidates. And I, I think wh- one of the interesting things is, you know, quite often we have clients here who say that, you know, at some stage in the future they, they might be considering franchising. And one of the things that I always say is if you think that that's a possibility for the future, then and it, it revolves around the brand that you're creating and creating goodwill under now, you absolutely need to make sure you get your brand protection in place. You know, you need to get your trademarks in place now because I I have seen that as an impediment to some um, organisations moving over into this concept of franchising, you know, and in some instances, you know, having to look at a full rebrand before they franchise, which which has all sorts of connected potential issues um, if you have built up a very strong business that relates to a particular brand. So, of course, think about trademark registration in the beginning um, is really important as well, I think. Okay, right. So I think that's a good overview of why organisations might think about getting into franchising as a franchisor. What about organisations or individuals who are looking at becoming a franchisee? 
Let's take a short break. When we get back, we'll flip over to the franchisee perspective and talk about the benefits that a franchise business model offers to them. Martin drills into the positives and negatives of being a franchisee who is suited to and importantly, who is not suited to it. Then we close out this episode by talking about some of the recent media coverage on heartbreaking franchise stories. And Martin leaves us with some smart tips on how to keep yourself as a good news story rather than a bad news story. And that's next. I'm Joanna Oki and you are listening to The Deal Room Podcast, brought to you by Aspect Legal. interested in hearing smart legal tips for business, the Deal Room sister podcast, Talking Law, is perfect for you. These two podcasts are now among the top legal podcasts in Australia. In our Talking Law podcast, I dissect a different topic each week that I have seen impact businesses, and I then provide actionable tips for you to avoid that risk or to use that legal area to your advantage. We release new episodes every 10 days, and you can listen to our episodes through www.talkinglaw.com.au or subscribe to our Talking Law podcast on iTunes to be the first to know when a new episode is out. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Earlier, we heard Martin's story on how he ventured into the world of franchising. We also talked about the benefits of becoming a franchisor and what it takes to franchise your business. Now, let's keep the conversation going and jump back to our chat with Martin. This time, we'll talk about the flip side and talk about franchising from the perspective of the franchisee. is um, this best suited to and why? Yeah, who's it best suited to? So initially, uh, when someone's looking at getting into their own business, they're looking at, obviously, improving their life, getting making their life better. So might be for their career self-development, financial gains, flexibility of lifestyle, or just their own self-determination, like being their own boss. So once you've made the decision to say, okay, I want to get in my own business, what is the best pathway to take? So do I start up a new business from scratch? Do I buy an existing one? Do I go down the franchising path? So let's say we decide, uh, let's say a a potential franchisee candidate would look at their experience and say, do I have the experience to start up an independent business? Do I have the skills to start up an independent business or take over an existing business? Or do my skills best match running a business? with the support of other experienced people. An existing proven model. And that's really where franchising comes into its own and when you can actually look at that business and say, wow, this is a proven business model. And that obviously provides a bit more assurance, doesn't it? A bit more confidence Absolutely. to getting into business, particularly for the first time. Now, I have seen over the years a lot of experienced business people get into franchising. And why do they do that? Yeah, I was going to say, you're thinking, why why do they do that? But the reasons why they do it is because they understand being in an independent business may not be suited for them. They may not like certain tasks like administration or marketing or or developing 
new products or they, they may want access to certain services that they can't buy at the same price if they're an independent business. So there's synergies and advantages of being part of a bigger group. So quite often, there's a saying where in franchising, you're, you own your small business, but you've got the tools of big business to help you grow. I think that's powerful. That's a quote right there then. <laughs> we'll make that one a tweetable. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah, so that, that, that's really important. And then that's why people would choose. That's why franchisee candidates that I've interviewed over you know, hundreds and hundreds over the years, probably ending into the thousands, I should say, uh, choose franchising because of those reasons. It's a proven business model. Mm. And so, and then if we look then, the benefits of buying a franchise rather than buying an existing business, because I guess we've been talking here a little bit about, well, what's the difference between, what's the benefits of starting a franchise rather than buying a franchise rather than um, than creating a startup? So, w- what do you think of the benefits between buying a franchise rather than buying an existing business? Okay. So, there's various reasons, but particularly in a franchise versus buying an existing independent business. So straight from the outset, you've got training. So particularly if you're changing industry or you don't have experience in that particular industry, you've got formal training in place. And obviously you need to ask the questions of the franchise or representative, what that entails, how extensive that is. Secondly, you've got ongoing support. So if you're in an independent business and you require ongoing support, that would come at a huge cost. Having a consultant in your corner, you know, meeting weekly uh, with another a business advisor would cost you money. But in a franchise system, that support's provided for you and you can actually call the support manager or representative of the franchise or if you've come unstuck or if you have particular challenges that have experienced before, even though you haven't experienced it yourself as a franchisee. The other important reason in, in choosing a franchise is that it's a business that continues to exist. Quite often you might, in your local area, you might have a local hamburger shop and a hamburger shop's been in existence for 40 years in the same location, although it may be the third operator or fourth operator there. So franchise brands establish a fair bit of goodwill in their local community because they're constantly around. We're an independent business. Someone might take over that and buy an independent business and change the name, change location. There's a, a lot more variables in place with an independent business, with a franchising business. The community sort of gains a fair bit more confidence and trust that it's been operating for uh, a number of years, 30, 40 years, etc. Mm. Well, let's just flip it around again a bit. What are the negatives, I guess, of buying a franchise rather than having your own business? And I, I see that as well. Um, and in fact, it's, it's an important part of the selection process that we have in place. We quite often have a, a, quite a few people that apply for different franchises that are unsuitable because they actually want to change the system. So what's an in, important characteristic of a successful franchisee is actually following the systems that have been proven. From time to time, a franchisee uh, owner might decide that they like to do things their own way, not follow the system and and, and, uh, be a bit more independent thinking, let's say. That's all good, but not for franchising. So although franchising has its extensive advantages, it also has its limitations. If you do want to create new products, 
if you do want to do things your own way, be a bit more independent as an entrepreneur, franchising is not for you. In fact, you'll be feel like you've been handcuffed. Not not so much because the business doesn't work, or it, it, it's actually your own create your own um, ambition to change things around. That franchising is not the right context for. So you need to be an independent business. So you're going to create your own brand, your own systems, have your own supplier arrangements. That's yeah, franchising is not for you. So that would be a disadvantage if you were an independent thinker wanting to be in franchising, and it may not be for you. And I think, you know, from what I see, one of the potential issues or negatives that can occur in franchising as well um, comes down, I, I guess, a bit to franchise selection. If you end up in a franchise where the franchisor isn't providing good support or good marketing, you might end up paying these franchising fees on an ongoing basis for something that you feel doesn't have value. And there's very little that can be done about that in some instances if the franchisor is compliant with its obligations but just not brilliant at undertaking them. Yeah, you're right. And that's why it's important to uh, conduct your own thorough due diligence as a franchisee as well. So understanding what those costs are, what those ongoing costs are, what the initial costs are, get a, a real thorough understanding of that. And, and and if you can afford it too. So it's no good having all these fees in place and then you think, oh yeah, look, I'll pay for that a bit later as I get more profitable, etc. You need to know the initial costs of entering the business, you're able to afford it uh, and, and to be suited to the franchise model. That's, that's critical. I've mentioned that Early about enjoying your work uh, leads to success because if you don't enjoy your work, if you don't feel you're suited to the franchise model, it just won't work. But regardless of how successful the franchise brand is, it won't work for you as a franchisee. But also talk to existing franchisees to know the pitfalls. So uh, you mentioned earlier about what if you get into a franchise model, the fees are there in place, but the support is a bit underwhelming. Talk to other franchisees. That's critical. Learn from existing franchisees what the benefits are, what the weaknesses in the in the support, for example. Talk, ask the franchisees what the support is like, profitability, what the what the actual work entails, what lifestyle they have, do they have holidays. That's a really good point. It's it's about really getting educated, you know, and, and for anyone who listened to the previous podcast with Martin, really that was the theme of the things we were talking about there as well was about getting educated about the sale process and the value of a business here. It's the same thing really, isn't it? Getting educated about the industry that you're getting into or into the franchising as a whole so that you understand the questions to ask and so you understand when something maybe he's a good deal and he's a bad deal. Absolutely, absolutely. Just ask people. Don't be afraid to ask the question. Uh-huh. Be out there a bit more. I like it. I like it. And look, there's been a quite a bit of media around recently, I think, in relation to franchising and in particular some fairly big-name franchises where franchisees are bitterly disappointed with the with the outcomes of their involvement with the franchises. And, you know, some really sad stories of um, them being run into the ground and them mortgaging the house and, you know, it all imploding. What, what do you have to say about um, 
all of this, you know, what's your response to this um, this media recently? I've read some of the stories. They're really, you, you know, they're really heartbreaking. And, you know, it's, it's always terrible. very sad when businesses don't work out. But, you, you know, it feels particularly sad when sometimes you feel that there appears to be a theme of behaviour that might be causing some of these issues. Yeah, sure. Look, look it, it's terrible to hear when things don't work out for people. It really is. It's actually, it, it's no good at all. Now, whether, if I could just add to this, now, this also happens in independent businesses as well, not just franchise business, where business can be very, very successful, moderately successful, or, or just doesn't work out at all. Yeah, of course. That's very true. Something that's not just in franchising or not in, or, or independent business at all. So it's not exclusive to franchising. I, I think if the behaviour of, of, of a particular franchisor is not not uh, high quality, that needs to be addressed straight away. Okay. I think it's different to... Um, and there might be a separate issue to businesses succeeding and failing in itself. If behaviour from the franchisor is inadequate, that just needs to be addressed. A franchise business, like any other business, is no guarantee of success. I think that what you're undertaking in a business has an inherent risk, and that's why going through a thorough due diligence process... Just With your eyes wide open, getting the right advisors on board. <laughs> absolutely. So the recent, I suppose you're referring to the recent media about it, it's definitely a little sensationalised because I suppose we could look um, at our communities and just go for a little drive and realise that quite a lot of the businesses, quite a lot of the pillars in our community are actually franchise businesses operating well and successfully. So I don't think we could look at someone's negative story and just you know take that and say that's just widespread in franchising only. I do believe that the certain practices of different business or franchisors that aren't up to scratch, and I think that needs to be addressed, um, but it shouldn't taint all the franchising because I know firsthand of franchisors and franchisees operating really well and really successfully. So, And that, that's a shame for them that maybe fran- that, that franchising is getting dragged through the media in, in a negative way at this moment because there's a lot of successful stories as well. It's just a, a balance always needs to be Brought to the brought to the table, but maybe there's a positive in it as well for the you know for the stronger business models. But because of course there's so many franchises around these days for sale that it's a competitive market. I I would assume finding buyers. So if you're able to differentiate your franchise from others that are facing issues and maybe maybe it's an opportunity for for you in what looks to be a bit of a bad news story for franchising maybe it's an opportunity for you to do um, a better a differentiated sales piece um, for for your own franchise look ultimately when any negativity is brought to the surface it's a real opportunity for the industry to improve itself okay and if this brings about positive change and more awareness I think it's a good thing even though it may be some short-term hurt, for, for, particularly for franchisees in those same systems that operated successfully and would like to exit themselves in a successful manner. So it has a direct impact on, on, on existing franchisees. But long-term, again, if it improves the industry, if it improves standards, improves awareness, yeah, it, it, it can, has, a, has a potential to be a benefit, absolutely. Yeah. 
All right. Well, look, Martin, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been a really interesting rush through franchising, both from the perspective (laughs) of franchisors and potential franchisors out there and franchisees so or business owners who maybe are thinking about buying into a franchise and aren't sure whether or not that's a better option for them than starting up their own business or buying an existing business. So hopefully this has been useful um, to the listeners. I thank you for your time. Martin. Um, I've had a good time. I hope you have too. It's been great. And we'll have to um, have you back another time talking a bit further about this issue because I think there's a lot more that we can talk about in relation to franchising. Absolutely. Then then we can fit into one episode. <laughs> it's, it's been a pleasure. So if any of you, any of the listeners would like uh, to ask me any questions about franchising with the perspective of franchisor or franchisee, feel free to do so. Great. And how can um, how can our listeners contact you, Martin, if they would like to talk to a specialist advisor in relation to franchising, whether they're a franchisor or a franchisee or potential franchisee? They can contact us uh, via our website. So it's www.amplifybusiness.com.au uh, or our direct number is 1300 267 287. We're also on uh, social media as well. Search Amplified Business, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Excellent. Wonderful. And we'll have all of those links in our show notes. So don't worry if you didn't catch them. Brilliant. Thanks, Martin. We'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of The Deal Room Podcast. If you'd like more information about this topic, head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where we have a whole heap of downloads for you and also details there of how you can contact Martin Lacerdo at Amplify Business Strategy if you'd like to talk more about the areas of franchising, either from a franchisor or a franchisee perspective. On our website, you'll also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you or your clients, if you're an advisor, would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We've got a number of great services that help businesses, both small and large, in buying and selling. And we've got a number of different types of services depending on size and complexity. So don't hesitate to book yourself a free discussion with one of our specialist sales and acquisitions lawyers if you would like to talk about your business or your purchase or that of your clients. Now, finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today at the Deal Room podcast, please pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. I'd be extremely grateful. Thanks again for listening in. We hope to see you at our next episode. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room podcast brought to you by the commercial legal practice Aspect Legal. See you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.